Hi, movies and suckers. Chris here, and I'm posting the first of our Panic Fest themed episodes. Panic Fest is a horror, sci-fi, thriller film festival that shows the Kansas City Screenland armor every year, and it's been considered one of the world's best genre fests, you know, in the world several times over. Uh, I am talking to the group who made the reviewer in this episode to re- interview with them. Uh, reviewer is a movie, and here is the synopsis. Tensions rise when a stripper and a religious protester trapped together in a peep show booth and must come together to survive the apocalypse in 1980s Chicago. I saw it Friday. I thought it was great. I love this movie. Um, I got to talk to Luke Boyce, the director. Mike Moresi, who's one of the writers. Kato Alice, who played Angie. And Shana Shruton, who played Sally. And I got to talk to them about the movie that was made. Uh, if you're in Kansas City, if I'm hosting this on the 4th, Reviewer is showing again tomorrow, the 5th at Screen the Armor at 9.15. So cancel your plans and go see that. It's part of Panic Fest because I love Panic Fest. It's my favorite part of the year. Uh, I did record this in the hotel lobby of their hotel. So you hear background noise like chairs being scraped by, phones ringing, people walking in and out. But it's still a great interview and I had a great time talking to them. So uh, this is my interview with the group who made Reviewer. And I see you guys later. One more thing, guys. I want to mention that Panic Fest, you can be found at panicfilmfest.com. Uh, if you guys missed this this year, you can always uh, go away till next year. They have virtual tickets, so wherever you're in the country, you can see some Panic Festivals. But panicfilmfest.com. You will find out more of the festival there. And uh, I'm sorry, but here's the interview now. It's a show by Chris and Neil with all great So first off, guys, I want to thank you for taking the time to sit down with me. It's really a thrill to do this. Yeah, yeah. thanks for being on. Of course. Um, I'm going to nerd out here for a second. I had the mispleasure of seeing a reviewer last night, Panic Fest. <laughs> and uh, the story says really fit the atmosphere of that movie. <laughs> so I was really immersive. So I'm like super general here. Um, Luke, like what inspired this movie? What was the impetus for it? Um, so it was mostly, mostly Tim Seeley came up with the idea, um, kind of pitched it to me, pitched it to Michael, just, and we loved it. I mean, right away. I mean, his, Tim is really good at these high-concept ideas, right? right? So he can pitch something in a sentence. And it was like, uh, a stripper and a religious protester are stuck together in a peep show booth. And you're just like, yeah, okay, yeah. we'll do this. <laughs> a dancer and a priest. Yes. <laughs> yeah, that's how it was announced last yes. night. I was like, oh, <laughs> Sally's a priest yeah. Yeah, last night someone called it like a apocalyptic My Dear yeah, yes. yeah, which yeah. is amazing. Yeah, well, I think that needs to go on. A, what was it? Uh, uh, Darren Andre meets what was it? They said. Uh, he's, uh, what did you say? Apocalyptic, I think is what. Yeah, apocalypse. Yeah, apocalyptic dinner meets Andre. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah, yeah, that was it. <laughs> yeah, but anyway, so so yeah, so Tim. I, I mean, it's pretty much mostly Tim. And again, like I, I kind of said, um, Tim and I had been talking about um, sort of like doing something. You know, we both grew up in the 80s during the satanic sure. panic yeah. and I was like I grew up very religious so like like oh, we've talked so you connected with that kind of I did yeah. well like like my like <laughs> when I was a kid like I, I wasn't allowed to have like He-Man toys or anything <laughs> like that my parents were like really into stuff like like the satanic panic 
hit me at home. <laughs> so I've known about it my whole life. And, sure. And so we kind of joked about this idea of like, well, what if you make something where you're like, it's a fantasy world where the satanic panic actually is like they're actually real. Right? Yeah, yeah. Like what they're saying is going to happen, and that's sort of like something him a, a sandbox Tim wanted to play in, and so I think this is where he kind of was able to do that, and then. Yeah, and then it just kind of, he got with Michael, and I think it just evolved into this really interesting, you know, um, story about two really interesting people, um, and I can let, you know, Michael can kind of talk more about about that. But. Um, yeah. Yeah, so yeah, Tim had a great pitch, um, and, you know, we took, took what he had, and when I say we, I mean, you know, Luke, uh, Tim, and I. And we evolved it into what it is. And, you know, we wanted to tell, you know, like Luke is saying, we wanted to tell a story about, you know, Satanic Panic in the 80s and movies that we love, like these kind of VHS uh, horror movies that we, we grew up on, yeah. you know, and capture that spirit. But at the same time, and Luke talked about this last night, um, one of the things that we, you know, aspire to as um, storytellers, I guess, say, directors, writers, and performers that we have with us, um, we want to be earnest, you know. We don't yeah. ever want to make things that are just like, you know, nudging you with the elbow on their side, saying, "Hey, look how dumb this is." You know, like I, I think that's a very pointless exercise. Um, so we wanted to we, we we strive to go the opposite direction. Like, you know, earnest doesn't always mean serious. It doesn't sure. have to be serious, but we have to care. You know, we have yeah, to be genuinely trying. And at the core of the story, you know, really, it, like it's like we talked about. Like Tim is good at good uh, story. Uh, thematics and I'm good at good story pitches and I'm good at like good thematic pitches and I think right. the story is about two people two different people becoming friends right. you know and that's yeah. really what it is the, yeah that's I mean, the story I know this thing had a lot of heart you know and yeah. I'm a big sucker for that time of thing <laughs> whether it be a horror film or not but um yeah I was really impressed with you two specifically because um because you know uh, being so different I ended up caring equally about each of your characters just once. So that brings what gravity to these roles. I mean, the pitch itself is you know, amazing as it is, sure. but, yeah. but uh, what makes you care about these roles for yourself and so much? Um, I, I am, I'm a huge fan of the 80s, and I am a bit more of a recent horror fan, I think, in the sure. last, like, eight ish years of my life. So like what stuff have you been watching? Um, so I, I watch all sorts of genres. I, I love a demonic possession. I love a haunting. I love a monster movie. I love a slasher movie. You know, I love uh, I love all the 80s camp movies sure, sure. and I will watch Friday the 13th on repeat if I can. Um, and I just thought I, I'm fascinated by the satanic panic. I'm a huge D&D &D nerd. Sure, I DM sure. my own campaigns so nice. when there were D&D &D references in there I was like sold. Yeah. Um, but I also just think that this was not only like an 80s thematic movie it had the satanic panic elements to it but we brought it into the modern era of we are talking about sex work as work where yeah. we are talking about 100%. like strippers are real people mm -hmm. and deserve to be treated as such and we are talking about what it means to be queer in the 80s sure. and what it means to not have that support so here are these two marginalized people a sex worker and a queer person coming together and realizing that they really do have common ground yeah. Um, and there's like a big part of me now, like when we when we were shooting it, we weren't playing it this way. But when we when we we had one moment where uh, Sally gets like pulled through the wall, and we had this moment where we kind of meet in the middle, and Sexual we attack. had mentioned no, yeah, keeping yeah, yeah. it no, in there. Yeah. 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 we mentioned keeping it in there because like we did it, and we were like, 
Oh, yeah. but we weren't aiming necessarily for this kind sure. of undertone. But like when you get to the end of it, my vision as an audience member is like, oh, I ship this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like ten out of ten, ship this. Like eventually, <laughs> these two are probably going to end up being on like an enemies to lovers trajectory. But <laughs> I think for me, I when I first read the script, I could visualize the whole thing, mm-hmm. and I think that's always. Um, a clue for me if I really like material, if, mm-hmm. if I can see it while I'm reading it. Yeah. And I could see these two people in these rooms and as I continued to like read more and dive into Sally, I was like, at first I was like, who is she? I'm not quite sure. But then I was like, oh, she's a misunderstood person that right. desperately wants to be seen. And like, I, I don't know who can't relate to that. Um, and just... Um, going on a journey of like trying to be seen by somebody that she's actually, I mean, from my point of view, been in love with. Sure. Yeah. Um, And like going through that journey and I just, I could relate to that so hard and like could visualize it, could feel it in my bones. So I was like, yeah. This is, this is a no-brainer. A no-brainer. Yeah. 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 Just so you guys, I, I thought you guys were fantastic. Thank you. It was so like, thank you. I saw you as characters. It's like, no point that I feel like you're forcing it. It felt like so, so natural. Thank you so much. Um, so I would do one mission. Um, absolutely love the music in this. Mm. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Very. <laughs> to like, yeah. like I, how did you guys? I guess speak more to that. Uh, are you talking about the the, the score? The <coughs> score specifically? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So the score was done by um, a guy named Alex Cuervo, mm-hmm. who did Scare Package. Yeah, yeah. And Pale Door, phenomenal. Yeah, so good to work with. I mean, he just he just got it right away. Mm-hmm. And it was interesting because we had actually created so we had created a synth score. You know, and I was like, well, that has to be synth, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, so we had that uh, for most of the film, but we realized that. Um, the point at which you go into the tunnels, mm-hmm. the movie changes. 100%, yeah. It becomes like an it becomes like an adventure yeah. tale. And so we actually redid all that. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's a two-parter. So um, we actually, he came in and was like, I think we should do this. And he started coming in with all these really weird instruments, just yeah. like playing, playing a, t- a, a bicycle tire like a cello. <laughs> yeah. like all this weird crap that just sounded so... Strange yeah. in that section, and he's just—he's—he's he's absolutely brilliant. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, so so we got super lucky that Alex, and then we actually had um, so the there's the song that plays when um, we first see her walking up right yeah, after yeah, the yeah. cold open. Uh-huh. That was actually written specifically for the film. We were oh, like nice. we needed like yeah. a hair metal. <laughs> this is like a really great hair metal. It song. just sounded like yeah, a classic. <laughs> yes, yeah. So there's a guy. Um, I, there's a there's a band. Uh, so apparently, hair metal. Uh, I, I've, I've discovered this in the past few years. Mm-hmm. Is is a huge genre in like Sweden. Yeah, and like mm-hmm. yeah totally. Mm-hmm. And um, there's a lot of really great bands coming out of there. A lot of people know that now because of Peacemaker. Yeah, sure. Which has some new hair metal bands. And so one of them, a band called Enforcer, uh, wrote and recorded um, the song specifically for that. They were like, "What year is it? 1987." Okay, they like watched the movie and they literally just wrote the song specifically for that song. That's amazing. And, That's okay. and I've like listened to that song a thousand times. I love yeah. it. It's called Satan Center. Yeah. You can remix it. against Dancer yeah. and That's, Priest. Yeah. <laughs> and the music is the music is so then we need then, to do their music video. Correct. Yeah. <laughs> I have asked them. Yes. Um, and then and then lastly. Um, 
Gunship. I don't know if you're familiar with Gunship at all. They're the ones that did the uh, the song that she dances to. Okay, yeah, yeah. Called Dark All Day. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, an amazing synthwave band. Yeah. Huge. They just... They're uh, in the UK, right? They are in the UK. Yeah. Um, phenomenal band. They just did some... They were just on the new Carpenter Brute album. Um, amazing, amazing musicians. And Tim and I are huge fans of them. And, and I just called them and was like, can we feature your music in this <laughs> film? And, and they saw the materials they sent them pitch materials and yeah. stuff like that and they said absolutely this was like during filming yeah, yeah. so we knew we knew that we were going to really do cool. the dance so she choreographed the song you know Which she picked really lucky. the song it was really cool because so. we were kind of talking about like what what would angie dance to and like it was not it was not the right genre but the way that i was the, the i always create soundscapes or like playlists for characters as yeah, i'm working yeah. on things mm-hmm. and there was a lot of nine inch nails like early nine inch nails <laughs> yeah, yeah. on there and i was like this is not the right decade right sure. we're not it's like 89 was when mm-hmm. their first album came out so we were talking a little bit about it and luke was like check out gunship mm-hmm. so i just listened through their tracks and i found dark all day which is like very much lost boys like she even <laughs> has a line at the end good night my lost boys right? it's, like an homage, it's an homage for sure the sax is in there like yep. we love it um but i listened to that song and i was like what do you think about this and he was like let's go and yeah, yeah and then when we found out we actually got to feature it in the film i was like i get chills every time <laughs> i hear that like that like high whine right before the the synth starts oh i'm like God. yeah <laughs> So yeah, I mean, to me the music made it super authentic. Like yeah. I felt like I was watching an 80s movie. Um, That's great because I mean, an, an interesting thing, like because the music is this is one song, one thing I really wanted to do was because we're we're in the 80s, but mm-hmm. it's not a it's an alternative 80s. Right? Sure, yeah. it's not a real life 80s. So there was a sense that we wanted to build an 80s vibe mm-hmm. without it have like we can't have any needle drops like we're not throwing actual 80s music in there mm-hmm. so the whole thing with gunship the synthwave the the score you know the hair metal it's all it's all vibe mm-hmm. but it's not authentic oh, from yeah, the yeah. era so and that was kind of important to sort of create this alternate reality sure yeah but i think it's almost better that way because <laughs> like it goes back to our point of earnestness because when you drop in like a Def Leppard song, like right. you're just being like the '80s, am I right? right. Yeah. <laughs> like, and that's yeah. a lot of. Movies no, that's a really good today. point. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Like we, you, no, you've really created good. an entirely separate universe, yeah, and right. the music does immediately bring you into it. That feels familiar, but is like just, just slightly on its ear. Something that yeah. you're not quite sure because you haven't heard that for real. Yeah. Exactly. And then you learn how. Later in the film, how different of a universe that we're yeah. in. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. So I want to mention there is a color, definitely a color scheme for at least uh-huh. parts yeah. of the movie. And so I really love that. You know, Get comfortable, I'm a big guys. Fan. <laughs> 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 I'm a big fan of Mandy. I you guys saw a couple years ago. That Mandy? Mandy, like, yeah. yeah. Absolutely. So I had a lot yeah. of good, great, great color scheme. I got that sort of feeling yeah. in this, this movie, at least two different parts of it. So. Yeah. Uh, was that a conscious decision, or were you just like, oh, yeah. yeah? I mean, Mandy for sure, but yeah. also just like, um, like Rob and I kind of, Rob, my, my DP and I really talked a lot about color, mm-hmm. and um, we were, <laughs> like if it were up to us, like we would just have every possible color you could have <laughs> in this film, and one of the reasons we wanted to do the 80s was because, you know, and especially just like this, this strip club, mm-hmm. essentially, was to sure. be able to drench it in neon. Mm-hmm. I love neon yeah, in yeah. movies because, okay. you know, neon, I think the one thing, great, the thing that's great about neon in movies, the reason people take to it is because a lot of times when you're filming something, you have these 
palettes of black or gray. Mm -hmm. You know, and a lot of movies look that way because like the place we're at right now, it's a lot of gray. Yeah. But color shine like if you look at these curtains here, there's mm -hmm. very multicolored curtains. They cut through. Yeah, yeah. And neon does that. So yeah. neon is a green that cuts through, or it's a red that cuts through, and it really draws your eye. And then we got really lucky in the sense that with Angie's booth, we could just do whatever we wanted yeah. because it's a stage. Right. Yeah. Right? So that was super exciting. And I think the fact that we got to do that film, you know, at least half the movie in there was was really exciting. So for color, I mean when we gave it to our colorist, he was like He's like, I'm so excited because I never get to work with color like this. I have not worked with color like this in a long time. Yeah. yeah. And then it's really like, there's a point where it's just like, how far can you go with it before it's too much? Like you're yeah. just oversaturating everything uh -huh. and you have to pull back. But yeah, I don't know. I don't feel like, you know, I feel like, um, I, I, I feel like color is, is just underused a lot. Yeah. I really, I will always watch an early Technicolor film sure. where they were like, when the technology <clears throat> finally came about and they're like, we're using it. Oh yeah. Right? Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. we're gonna, Take this is gonna look, yeah, yeah, look like a kid with a, a coloring yeah. box. Yeah. yeah, and I kinda like, I don't know, you, you put those on a, on a new TV and they're so striking and beautiful. Mm -hmm. Like our eyes just love color. So I don't know, I'm, that's, it's a big thing for me. To that point, uh, our Luke even had a conversation with uh, the head of our wardrobe department, mm -hmm. um, Hallie Sharp, who's phenomenal. Mm -hmm. And the the um, bathing suit that I wear in the booth, we had talked about actually making the top silver. So oh, yeah. we got a bathing suit, <laughs> took the top off of it, and she made a silver oh, lame one. So we sh we could pick up the color. Right. Yeah, yeah. So when it changed blue, when it changed red, we actually had that playing off like a mirror because that scene was so yeah. central. Also, yep. let's talk about the bisexual lighting. Am yes. I right? <laughs> oh, come on. <laughs> looks just like that, to be honest. I love it. Yeah, we got to these Mike looked at me like he just found this out about the... I just did? Did you just find no, this I out? Yeah, that. yeah. No, that was that's, like that's a really whole conversation that we had that we wanted silver specifically in there to pick it up. It was, we, wow. got, we got that's to do really a screen cool. test of your yeah. outfit. Mm -hmm. and, that was, and that was one of the best things we did because yeah. we figured out right away that no, we needed reflection. Yeah, it was yeah. such a good choice. Very so smart. And the costumes in it were amazing. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, Hallie is incredible. Yeah. Hallie, Hallie is, is so next yeah, level. She's, and it was so bizarre having a costume fitting during the pandemic <laughs> because she literally showed up to our homes yes. and was like, I left an Ikea bag on your porch. Please try please bring it inside. I will be in my car on FaceTime outside. And so I brought things into my my home and tried them on while I was on FaceTime with her and then sent them back and was like, this works, this works. So this she doesn't. like took screenshots on her phone. <laughs> and that was like and, me. Yeah. It was still, you know, that was in probably June of 2020. And it was like, uh, you nobody can come into my house right now. Yeah. So uh, have you guys been sitting on this thing for a couple of years? Like, yeah, 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 we have. So, which must have been insane, like just waiting so long. The text threads, oh the text threads of like, ah, when are we going to do it? <laughs> so much anticipation. You have no idea what the release is like. Yeah. Oh so. Um, knowing what you know now, are you glad you took on the project during the pandemic? Yeah. What's that? You took on the project during the pandemic? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Early yeah. pandemic. Yeah. So, yeah. Are this you? is making movies in the air in the age of COVID, for sure. <laughs> yeah. I mean, one of the things, I think, when, and this is a testament mainly to the three of you, uh, and I've said this before about Loop, I think one of the, making movies is very complicated. Uh, <laughs> lots of things can go right, lots of things can go wrong, and you just never know, even with the best script, our best cast, best intentions, best directors, mm -hmm. you just never know what's going to come out on the other end. 
And the experience of this, and I was there on set for, for part of it, not mm. all, um, but the experience of this, what ends up getting captured in the movie, and I've seen it multiple times, and the thing that I always love every time I watch it is that there is a, a, a energy to it and a, and a great, like, there's just, Luke captured something with, with Shane and Cato that's just so, such a wonderful energy. It has such a feeling to it that mm. I don't think you could have gotten any other time. I think it was yeah. just the way, and there's a lot of other backstory, like how this actually pieces came together to make Rubila work. It's like magical that like the luck, the, the luck after luck after like, yeah. I can't believe this is happening. Um, <laughs> that that fell, these dominoes that made this happen, I think it, you see it. I think you see it and feel it on the screen. And, sure. and I think if we'd done it a different way mm -hmm. or a different time, I don't know. I don't know, yeah. you know, that it would have been the same product. You know? I don't know that the urgency would have necessarily been there. And I don't know about you, Shana, but I was hungry for it because uh -huh. oh, God, as soon I as we heard it. about lockdown, like yeah. my whole career is performing sure. and I didn't same. know if I just lost an entire part of who yeah. I am as a person. And yeah, it, it certainly felt like that. And yeah. like just the uncertainty and like, is this gonna come back? And if it does, do I get to play? And just like having that be, I mean like relatively so early into the pandemic. Yeah, it was really like, was. Oh, okay. It was, thank it, God. Yeah, it was thank like God. an oasis. It yeah. really was, it was a reminder yeah. of like, oh, not only are we, are, will we be able to make it through this aspect of it, but we're gonna come out like with blazing colors and we're gonna be on a next level of our career trajectories and our, our, our aspects as performers. I think this really did. It could not have, have skyrocketed us the way it did if we didn't have the situation of the pandemic, sure. I think. Yeah, and it was like, you, we had to build the trust immediately. Yeah. <laughs> there was no time not to, and... Uh, uh, we were lucky I'm that we were friends before. I think. Sure. Yeah. Kato, and I, Kato and I did know each other before, which yeah. I think was really helpful, but we, we locked in really quick and like very fast with Luke. It just yes. felt like it, it felt like immediate family, which I think is part of the luck of that. Just doesn't yeah. it cannot happen on every set. And yeah, <laughs> and it doesn't happen on every no. set. Yeah. Yeah. And I can't I can't understate how how important it is that you know I I was a first time feature filmmaker. Yeah, and that, to to come in to risk your safety, mm -hmm. right at, at the height of what was very scary, a very oh, yeah, scary sure. time for a lot of people, for someone that they just didn't know. I mean, yeah. they had a script and they had a couple things to yeah. it, and that was it. The first conversation we ever had was when they were already in, you know, in the building, mm -hmm. right? So, like, it was, it's a done deal. So, I mean, it was huge for me just to be in a situation where, you know, that first few days was was nerve-wracking because everybody was there risking their health, mm -hmm. yeah. you know, to mm -hmm. do this for an untested person. So, you know, that meant a lot to me, for sure. So... I'm watching it, I saw a parallel to what's happening now. Was that a conscious decision to add a sort of political climate into the script itself? Uh, wait, I'm sorry. I a political climate, like, in 2020. Oh. I mean, I, I don't know if it leaked in that way. But I'm to think. I, I, I mean, we definitely had the line about... The line about Russia. The I line about Russia. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Even, um, the, you know, the, ne the liberal media. So yeah, the liberal right. media. Yeah, the, yeah. I mean, I think there is a lot of conversation there around There is, yeah. yeah. I think it's more... I like to think of it more broadly. Like, yeah, sure. I, you know, the, the stuff that really sticks with me that I hope sticks with people who watch is the idea of judgment. And like uh -huh. we, and that's, I think, what's relevant today is that we live in an era that's very judgmental with social media that you can smear people, destroy people, like, that you don't even know, right. you know? Like, and it's a scary thing. It's a scary weapon. It's a scary tool. 
I think the heart of this is like, you know, if you talk to people, if you get to know them, if you know their story and you know who they are, you can come to a better place of understanding. I mean, that's why I think, again, going back to the earlier thing, is the most beautiful thing about Revealer. It's like these are two different people who just talk to each other and right. listen to each other and say, oh, like, you're not what I thought you were. And we can be friends, you yeah. know? Like, it's okay. We may not agree on everything and we may not completely see eye to eye on every single issue in life, culture, mm-hmm. blah, 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 blah. But that doesn't mean we still can't be friends and we still can't share the same goals. Oh, yeah. Well, you know? And I'll add to that, too, that one of my favorite things about the movie is that at the end, neither person is trying to change the other person. Right, right, right. Um, they become friends as who they are. Yeah. And and that to me is really important. And I think, like you said, like social media is this thing where we all thought the internet was gonna come and it was gonna bring us all together, right? Because we could all talk to each other. But what it seemed like it's done instead is it's it's made all the clicks and all the, you know, it's made us more tribal. Mm-hmm. So we create our bubbles. And we create the things where we're only hearing from the from the voices that we want to hear and all that other stuff. And it's hard. And I'm not saying that everyone's right or everyone's wrong about everything, but, but there is sort of this lost sense of really understanding what's happening in that other person's life. Sure. You know, I think it's a really important part of this movie where we find something out about Sally mm-hmm. that we don't know. And it's through the process of experience. Mm-hmm. Um, and we then we find something out about... Angie as well. Sure. And so, yeah, I think that, that I think that's a really important part of the movie. Yeah. I, I would say too that it's easy for people, especially you know, with social media and online, to almost create archetypes of people. And I think that's yeah. exactly what Sally and Angie have done. Is like you, when you don't have those conversations and you don't get to know, you just have this vision in your head of somebody, and it's like you paint their picture for them, right? Yeah, which is yeah. just not the human experience. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so I, I do love that the wall, you can just watch their walls come down right. as they're traveling through a demonic tunnel. Yeah. Um, and it's just, yeah, it's listening, yeah. which is some of my favorite parts of the movie is yes. watching either of us listen to the other person. Right. And that was so, you guys were so good at that. And that's something that Luke and I have talked a lot about. You know, in movies, and this is something that I strive for and things I've done and things that hopefully Luke and I continue to do, I want people to talk. You know, yeah. I want there to be dialogue. Dialogue now is like, in modern cinema, all too often is like, talking about the plot or making a quip. Like, that's, yeah. that's, that's all characters do. They never say things. They never I really talk. appreciate that, by the way. I love the oh. dialogue. And that's like, that was something, a big dialogue, I guess. So it was, Really into that, and it wasn't just like it was. It was deep dialogue, you know, like <laughs> revealing these characters. But well, thanks, thank you. Yeah, that's that was, and it goes to how good that you know uh, that <clears throat> excuse me that Cato and Shana did because, like you said, it's listening to like you got you both responding to each other and working against each other was was just exceptional, uh, and that's that's elevated to what we see. So just find the cast, uh, Bishop and and Cato and Shana, like. Mm-hmm. The, they were all great. You guys were great. Yeah. So, how would the casting work? Like getting these amazing actors together. Yeah. So we, um, so we had an amazing uh, casting director, mm-hmm. named Sarah Casey. Casey. Yep. What's her name? Um, yeah, she changed her name. Just got married. Yeah, she just got married and changed her name. She's wonderful. She's yes. amazing. Um, and she just, she just gave us basically just so many. I mean, clearly people were hungry to work because we got a lot of audition <laughs> tapes. Sure. Um, and so you know. So they're uh, both both Cato and, and uh, Shana were part came from Sarah, 
Um, and then Bishop was has been a friend of mine for a long time. Yeah. So Bishop's been in. Bishop is this. How do I? He's. Bishop is just the warmest person I think I've ever met. Yeah. This man is just like. He's such a hype king. Like yes. he was gassing us yeah, up at all times. Really like y'all are great. You're and, the best. And like, just having him there for a couple of the days, and then we're like, no, don't go. <laughs> yeah, we were really sad when he left. Can you just stay and hang? Yeah. Yeah. Like we were, we were trying to figure out. Okay, what is what is Ray? And and my thing was like, Ray is sort of. Um, like Ray's gross, yeah, but lovable. Yeah, that's yeah. why. So I, I was like, I was like, we, I need someone who can do that, who can do both. Yeah, you know, can be is so lovable that his grossness is just kind of funny, mm-hmm. um, and, and and it's okay. <laughs> uh, and, and also just like you can tell, like you can tell that even though he's gross, that he also cares. Yeah. And that's, I mean, that was just Bishop. I was just basically Bishop. Can you just come? No, Bishop is not gross. I should, Bishop is not gross. I should, I should, <laughs> backing up a little it's bit. The caring, it's the caring <laughs> caring. Yeah, it's the caring. That yes. made us also care about Ray, I think. Correct. Yeah. Correct. So yeah, it was, was really important. I was really sad what happened to Ray. So. I know. <laughs> Everyone is. I know. I know. I know. I know. Everyone wants more Ray. I do too, actually. Had to kill zombie zombie Ray, though. Yeah. <laughs> couldn't someone, couldn't someone, keep coming back. So. <laughs> <laughs> Only three times. So, uh, speaking more of the pandemic, what was the most challenging aspect to filming in the pandemic besides, you know, keeping like, you know, quarantine and that sort of thing? Testing every three days. (laughs) So, so this was early days. So there's no like, um, when we were, when we were doing this in August, 2020, Mm -hmm. there were like, I think like DGA and SAG were just coming out with their, their COVID rules. And we just, everyone thing was different. SAG was different than DGA. Sure. Nobody was making stuff, so nobody knew how to make stuff during a thing. So we had to kind of figure it out. So we did a lot of testing, like she said. Um, fortunately, where we were, there was plenty of testing available. Um, and really, it was just like it was. It was kind of like we we separated the crews into different tiers. So there were tiers that couldn't um, interact with the actors mm-hmm. because the actors had to go maskless in a lot of scenes. Sure. So we wanted to protect them to check the actors as much as we could. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of masks and, and, and face shields. And like I said, um, so basically the way that the the way that the set worked is that the, we were in basically an, an old shipping and retail space. Mm-hmm. So the whole uh, front of the building, which used to be retail, we transformed into a base camp that had um, stations that were all like 10 to 20 feet apart. Okay. So every person on the crew had a station they could eat at, they could relax at, and it was literally just like down the hall from the warehouse, mm-hmm. which is where we built all the sets. So the okay. entire movie is done on a set. Everything. Oh, in that I was with us about that. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, except for the except except for the exterior, which we filmed across the street, basically. Yeah. Um, everything was done there. So the whole crew quarantined on one level of a hotel. Mm-hmm. And basically nobody could leave. We had we basically bubbled it. So uh, like we had, if you forgot your toothbrush, yes. you had to have runners who would like leave a bag on your door. Yeah, and, mm-hmm. yeah, and like deliver n- your meals. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Normally on a movie set, um, you provide some meals, but not all meals. Yeah. Right. We had to provide all meals because we basically had to tell everyone you cannot go anywhere. <laughs> yeah. Um, and um, and yeah. So I mean, everyone was was in for it. And that was amazing. Like I think everyone was just so hungry to to work that they were, you know, they were willing to make those sacrifices, which was just amazing. But it was actually kind of interesting. Like 
it made it kind of special, you yeah. know? Like, we, we had a stronger, quicker bond, I think. I think like we have an experience, bond. too, that nobody... Like, I don't think anybody else will have because it's it's just vaccinations yeah. have changed things. And right, like, yeah. sure. Um, we didn't have vaccinations, that's a good point. I mean, meals were kind of lonely, but... Yeah. <laughs> it's okay. We would, yeah. like, con- congregate on the rooftop was the only place that we were allowed to do it because it was outdoors. Yeah. So we'd, like, sit and we'd, like, have our chairs but even six feet apart like, and, like, eating Sarah pizza. Would tape, tape out. Yeah, we had, like, the... taped out squares yes. on the parking lot roof. Like. Yeah. So they was it was challenging, but, you know, it was also rewarding, I think. Mm-hmm. There's, a, there's a lot of... A lot of Good things that came out of it as well. Yeah. So how long did it take to shoot? So this, the, <laughs> we had yeah. Originally we had twelve days, and we added an extra day, uh-huh. so thirteen in total, which is for us, it's it's insane. That sounds like yeah. a, just a quick shoot. Like you had to get so much oh, yeah. done a day. Yeah, yeah oh, I think yeah. we were insane. down like including weekends. We all lived there for about a month. Yeah, yes. because we quarantined for seven days. Oh right. Yep. Yeah. Pre shooting. Yep. Just in a hotel room. Just. Feeling a little crazy. Yeah, we got a little squirrely. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I'm gonna get into a few general questions just to. Mm-hmm. Sure. So, what are your biggest influences if I get around the table? Oh. Biggest influences? Yeah. Like Gosh. creatively? Yeah, I know this is a hard question, so I guess. Yeah. Favorite movie, which I'm about to ask. But, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh. Uh, Mando off the bat. Yeah, go. Go ahead. Um, yeah. This like ties into everything we talk about, including color. A lot of the things we've been talking about is for me is Guillermo del Toro. Like yeah. he's a guy who everything he makes. Not only is he, I think, one of the, the best there is, mm-hmm. but everything he makes is so thoroughly precise uh, cinematically with color and story and character. But like he is so earnest. And that's where Luke and I talk about. We get this from him. He is so earnest. Like, Shape of Water is about, this is a movie about a woman who fucks a fish. And won an Academy Award. Why should we care? <laughs> yeah. Why should we care? And he makes everything because he, he, he cares about every single thing. And he never plays it anything other than 100% honest. You know, like about like these characters and, and, and the situations and the themes and the stuff that he's doing. And he tells stories not only the earnestness of it, but he's clear. He has clarity of story and clarity of cinematic, uh, mm-hmm. the, the, the language of cinema. Like you watch his movies and he's showing and telling you everything you need to know. It's utter beautiful clarity. And I, 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 I you know, just aspire to that so much because I want that. I want people to see the movies I contribute to making and walk out knowing what they were trying to say and trying mm-hmm. to do. Through through the story and also through the visual cinematic language, and I don't know who does that better than Del Toro. It was a beautiful yeah. shot. So I mean, yeah. this is a beautiful movie. Oh, thank you. Um, it is. It really is. I, I, <laughs> you guys, um, you guys I'll, I'll just say. I mean, my so I am primarily a theater person. Okay. At least that is just where I come from. Sure. And this was my very first feature film, mm-hmm. which, um, and so like my inspiration. I, I mean, I watch an ungodly amount of content, but like that aside, like my inspiration is always drawn from the theater scene of Chicago. Yeah. Um, I am just like, I could, I could like get emotional about it because there's just like so many beautiful artists there and like Mm -hmm. the amount of storytelling that is just like next level, um, that just keeps me going personally. And like, you know, being a part of that community and then like getting to transfer that into now the the film fam and yeah. um, bringing my skill set from theater and seeing how that transfers um, is is kind of what I pull pull a lot of things from. Okay. 
Um, yes, I second what Shana said. I, I also started off in theater, and um, and this was my second feature. And I think that, honestly, our, our theater backgrounds really created that atmosphere of being able to listen to each other because when you're doing a play, you know, you don't get to pause and, like, go back and start the takeover again. You do have to listen. You have to be present with your scene partner. The whole time. The whole time. And I do, I agree. I think there's an incredible tenacity and um, fearlessness that goes into the Chicago performance scene across the board, theater, drag, burlesque, like, everything. I I come from also a burlesque background um, and also a huge, like, uh, I'm a big cosplay nerd. I'm a big nerd. Sure. Um, So a lot of my, you know, I I have a a deep love for D&D. I have a deep love for any kind of nerd culture and comic books. And, you know, when I saw that, who who were the writers on this, (laughs) I was like, you've got to be kidding me, this is a dream come true, and I'm playing a stripper, and, like, <laughs> we're fighting demons. So I think that I, it felt so special to me to be able to use a part of me that used to be really made fun of mm-hmm. to, like, mm-hmm. bring that to the forefront and say, like, no, yeah. like, sex work is work, being a nerd is really cool, mm-hmm. and being really present also with uh, a character who is problematic in and of her own right because she's complex and she doesn't have all the answers and she's not always right Right. but that there is a lot of love and heart behind her I think I'm very influenced by seeing characters like that I think this film encompassed a lot of things that are so near and dear to my heart that I will will never forget this process Mm. it's so beautiful yeah so I have to I want to answer this carefully because I don't want to like I don't want to compare myself to people oh yeah yeah. Um, Yeah. so I'll try to like do it in a way that um, I, I think I'll talk about influences for this film specifically. Okay. Um, John Carpenter is one for sure because um, I love, and it was really important for us for this film specifically to do this sort of simple, single location type of thing. I love movies like that. Mm-hmm. I love movies where you take the setting and you just pare it down as much so that all you're really left with is just character dynamics mm-hmm. and that kind of thing. It's just like, you know, I think sometimes limitations actually breed more creativity. Absolutely. Um, And I think John Carpenter is a brilliant example of movie after movie after movie taking simple concepts and just blowing them up creatively. Mm -hmm. Um, So that was a big one for me. Um, I think Uh, Spielberg. um, I'm a huge, huge Spielberg (coughs) disciple. Sure. Um, From my youth. I mean, he was, he was the god when I was growing up in the 80s that you looked up to. He was the new Hitchcock, and I think still is. But also, just as I grew up, it was, you know, you 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 watch Spielberg from the point of view of populist film, mm-hmm. but then you realize that he's doing things that nobody else is doing in the way that he moves the camera. Sure. And not just moves the camera, but moves the actors and the camera. And so we tried to... I tried, it was interesting, because with this film, we didn't have a lot of space... Right. Like, for instance, you know, half of it, we were shooting in an 8x8 eight eight box. <laughs> and so you have to find ways. Like, to me, the camera has to be moving. Yeah. And you have to find ways to do that, that it's not, number one, repetitive. Mm-hmm. And number two, that it's cinematic, meaning that it's it draws you in, right? And, and you, lend but itself you don't to the story, it. too. It I think you did that a lot. Exactly. Yeah. And a lot of that is dancing with, with the actors. Um, I think one of my favorite scenes in the movie is one where you're telling the David story and we start in this we, we tra- the camera travels from a two shot yeah. and then she comes into the forefront you're in the background, it moves there's just this constant, there's a constant dance between the actors and the camera and that's, I think that's a lot of Spielberg 
that comes through there. Like, that's the goal. Mm -hmm. um, and then finally, I think just like um, uh, Soderbergh. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, because Soderbergh is um, unlike anybody else in terms of not just efficiency of storytelling, it's very similar in ways, but also the way that he... So Soderbergh, actually, interestingly enough, loves to work with theater actors. Um, I know when he did The Nick, he, mm. per, he basically picked up mostly theater actors because he wants the actors to sort of take a lot of, you know, a lot of the responsibility of, you know, what's happening. He wants to be able to trust the actors to sort of, you know... Do what they're meant to do. Collaborate. Yeah. Yeah. I think theater sort of. I think theater really kind of demands that in a lot of ways, yeah. right? Like when yeah. you're doing a show, you don't get to stop and hear if the director's okay with it. You're having to take on a lot of responsibility. So that that's a big thing, I think, for me as well, and something that I was trying to aspire to with this. So um, it's just I mean, film festivals. Is there uh, distribution only thought that so more people would see it? Uh, and that works. You know, cannot about. yes, cannot say, but very soon. Okay, we, we, we will we will be hopefully announcing something very soon. Okay, I don't know the exact date, but I yeah, yes. Uh, the answer to that question is yes. I just can't give you details. Uh, sure, people will readily be able to see it yes. very in time. Okay, yes. great because I want to watch it again. again. <laughs> <laughs> we would like for you to do that. Yeah, please do. I'll, I'll be you know. Telling everyone about this. Thank you. Thank you. So kind. Um, so this is the last question, and you don't have to answer. It's a little hard to answer. Oh. But uh, do you guys have a favorite movie, like something that's consistent on your top ten? I know, I know that like it's pretty. You basically can change from day to day. Yeah. But do you have one that's consistently up in that top ten? I know, I'm sorry I asked the question. No, no, it's a great question. It's a great question because it makes you think about it because it's like if you have to choose one, I mean, I, I'm yeah. sure we all can think of like my mind immediately goes to like here and there to yeah. a lot of Spielberg, a lot of Spielberg. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Right. Um, yeah so it's a great question. I mean, if there's one movie... I don't know. I'm such a Del Toro nerd. I would probably live in Crimson Peak for the rest of my life. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, yes, like, that's great. I mean, speaking of, I mean, just clarity and color. Yeah, I mean, gorgeous. just just gorgeous. It's a gorgeous movie. So perfectly executed. It touches on a lot. Of, you know, Gothic, which is I'm a huge fan of Gothic horror. I, I adore it probably more than anything. Um, especially that period, that Victorian late, you know, 20th century, or I'm sorry, early 20th century. Um, let's do it. So, yeah, I'm right one. Let's do it. I want to do it. Do the witch too. <laughs> call, call Luke. <laughs> I, I need that in my life. So yes, bad. I need it. We all do it. Shannon and I just look at each other like, history, <gasps> <laughs> Shakespeare, Victorian nerd. Please, please. please. <laughs> I love it. Uh, so yeah, I mean, stuff like that. And also this thing, I mean, it takes Spielberg with me. Indie. I mean, I don't know how I live with Raiders of the Lost Ark. I don't yes, know. yes. Oh my God, that was one of the first thoughts. Because it's so fun, you know, it's just like so pure, you know. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I think yeah, Crimson Peak, I guess. So basically, I just I just watch Guillermo del Toro exclusively. It seems like yes. <laughs> there's other movies. I have a favorite movie. Okay. Um, it is embarrassing, and I don't care. Um, but it is something that I've watched uh, probably like once a month or like a handful of times a year since I was in the second grade and it's Titanic and I will <laughs> bring it with me to the grave. No shame on that. I, yeah, yeah, it's a great movie. I like developed a weird like 
history fascination with it, uh, and it, the movie is just like a comfort item to me, um, which is I know a strange comfort item. But no, that movie is not. that movie is an easy watch. Yeah, it's, it's, it's so jiggered, so you don't feel bad about yeah. it. I've never Thanks. seen. Two confessions I've never seen. What? It. There's what? a table <laughs> hasn't seen it, and I'm gonna. So we're fucking going die. to go watch it. Yeah. <laughs> it ruined Shayna when she found out I had never seen it, and it's a point of pride that I'm in my mid thirties and I've never seen I it. Take it. I take it really personally, and I know I shouldn't, but I take everything personally. <laughs> we have to do a Rocky Horror Titanic. Yes, yes Rocky Horror Titanic double feature. Double feature. <laughs> I think that that is a beautiful That's double feature. That's my wife all the time. She's seen the movie, and it's almost always no. So I'm Wait. just like, I'm at the point now, I'm like, I guess, well, I guess I know we're doing this afternoon. So the force Ghostbusters and stuff on her like that. So. Nice. Mm. Ghostbusters for you. Nice. You are you waiting? Oh, I don't know. You you I don't care. Whatever you want. Do you know? I have I have several, but I have a top. Yeah, what's the I have a top five hundred. So oh yeah, this easily. Is an extremely, yeah, top five hundred. <laughs> extremely sure. top, hard question. I will. Okay, so there's. Uh, I'm gonna give you two. Okay, great. The first one that that I think um, is probably easily in my top ten that that actually inspired this film a little bit mm-hmm. um, is um, Paris, Texas. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, there Benders. you go. Yeah. Um, Love that movie. Uh, there's something so magical and enchanting about that movie. That was um, in the mood. Beautiful, yeah. beautifully shot. Yeah. 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 Beautifully shot. And yeah, that's what we, 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 we studied it because it was one of the few films that had peep booths <laughs> yeah. in it. Um, and so that was interesting. Um, but then I'll kind of tell you the one that I'm just like, like my, my comfort food yeah. movie, the movie that I just have to go to all the time, and, mm. and you know what it is, probably. It's that thing you do. <laughs> I love this about That's you. That's a great oh movie. It's so good. I love, I love that, that movie amazing. so much. Yeah. Um, That's the movie we were talking about. There's no bill. There's no bill. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> no, yeah, that movie, is, that movie is infinitely so watchable, and yet there is no actual conflict in it. Mm-hmm. Which makes it, I mean, also comforting to watch. You know? Yeah, exactly. It's easy to watch. Yeah. But you, the characters are so good. But, you know, you, you kind of hear all the time, like, story has to have conflict in it. Mm-hmm. And that kind of breaks the mold because there's no... The only conflict really is just uh-huh. worrying that they're, you know, not going to last. Yeah. You know, which they don't. But it, even then, it's not... That big of a deal yeah. because the ride's so much fun. So, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. That movie is amazing to me. Yeah, there was something profound about it too. Is that we were talking about last night. You know, we're going through this experience of doing this premiere and all this anticipation, and it's something that's so. I never thought about this movie. It's so profound that like mm. things happen in life, and then they end, mm. and then that's it. Yeah, yeah. you know, and yeah. then then life keeps going, and we have this experience all together. You know, the last day, last two days, and now it's now it's not going to happen again. We're not going to be nervous in the lobby of the <laughs> cinema I the lobby. Where, where, yeah. I tried to keep that in mind a lot last yeah. night of like, be in the moment. Yeah. Be here for and it. And just like, remember what this feels like. Right. Yeah. Because yeah. like, you never, you'll never get to watch, like that was my first time seeing it oh, last wow. night. Yeah. So like, I will never get to watch that for the first time again. Right. You know? And yeah. That's, yeah. And that's what the movie does so well. They were a band for a little while and then they were. Yep. <laughs> and that's it. Yep. <laughs> Quite beautiful. Uh, I have several because I am also a, a movie nerd. Of, of course, like Indiana Jones oh, is sure. fully on there, except for the fourth one. It doesn't exist. Uh-huh. Um, the original <laughs> Star Wars trilogy. Oh, um, yeah. On repeat. On repeat. Yeah. That was, my brother and I are huge, like the reason I am a big nerd is because of my brother, and that is like a big bonding, mm-hmm. those two, those sets of movies, right. um, Ghostbusters, Jurassic Park. But I will say that my comfort movie, my like, 
moment of shame and pride movie is the 1999 classic The Mummy starring Brendan Fraser and Rachel Weisz because I will die on that hill. That is a (laughs) queer awakening story and I don't care who says otherwise because you know the casting director was like, let's make this gay as hell. (laughs) Here, everyone have all the feelings. So um, I will watch that on repeat um, shamelessly. That is one of my favorites. That was Tomb Raiders for me. Ooh, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> yes, everyone has a Lara Croft moment. Oh I think. <laughs> everyone. Oh my god. So I want to thank you so much for talking to me. It was yeah, really thank a you. thrill to have you guys on. Thank you so and, much um, for having I'll, us. You know, spousing reviewer Abby Keith Thank you. Know, when it comes out. Oh, so thank uh, thanks for being on the show, guys. Thank, thank you so much thank for having us. Yeah. Thanks so much. All right, guys, that was my talk with the guys who made reviewer. Uh, I know it sounds a little rough, but hey, what can I do? This isn't tell lobby. Whatever. But if you guys want to see it, I hope you do. Go ahead and uh, cancel plans for the 5th, May 5th, and go see Revealer at Screen Army at 9.15 during Panic Fest. Uh, I hope you guys do that. And uh, thanks for listening to the show. We'll have more content of Panic Fest soon. Thanks, guys.